Hey everybody, have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the opportunity to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com slash screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com slash pro slash screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast, your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Michael Pre here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 103 of Screwball, and we are moving into the start of the season. Uh, as of recording this, we have seen the first uh, weekend of the season, the first series, the first three or four games, depending on the team, and uh, some new you know, some new things to finally talk about with baseball. Some players breaking out, some players having a little bit of a slow start, some teams slow starts, and, and all that good stuff, so... Let's just jump right into it with our uh, news segment. If you are a little bit newer to the show, this is our more normal weekly show that we do during the season where we go into news of the week, we have a topic of the week, uh, we go into the hot and cold uh, players and teams, and we close it out as usual with our trivia question. So, like I said, let's go into our news segment to kind of start off the show where we have some pieces of news surrounding the last week in baseball. Uh, Number one... The Cleveland Guardians rookie outfielder Stephen Kwan made history on Sunday against the Kansas City Royals by notching five hits in his third career game. Kwan became the fifth player since World War II to have a five-hit game within their first five big league games. He joins a group that includes Yerman and Mercedes. He did it uh, last year. Uh, Gregory Polanco did it in 2014. Mike Lansing did it in 1993. And John uh, Wainer did it in 1991. So Stephen Kwan... You know, really hitting the hell out of the ball. I think even today he he had a, a basis clearing triple. Really kind of coming out of nowhere. Young guy, I believe he said he was 24. And uh, doing, you know, a little bit of turning heads for the Guardians right now. Uh, whether the, you know, whether that stays throughout the season. He has a good season is, remains to be seen, but uh, hitting good right now. I don't know if you have any thoughts on Stephen Kwan. It's just, you know, just a few games here, but, you know, pretty impressive hitting first few games. Yeah, I believe he started, what, 8 for 10? Yeah, started. He was five for five the first day or something like that. So, no, I just uh, kind of came up and got a chance and jumped on it, and that's really what forced the uh, the Guardians to trade Zimmer away. Mm-hmm. Zimmer, they were like, "Well, let's just trade him. That gives him a spot." So early on, he already made uh, impressions on the team. Right. Yeah. So good for him, and see if the Guardians get anything out of him for you know for this year and and in the future. Uh, second piece of news we have here, uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred gifted all the Major League players a pair of Bose headphones as sort of a quote-unquote peace offering following the 99-day-long MLB lockout. Uh, there was also a letter left written and signed by Rob Manfred to each player uh, in order to show some, you know, some appreciation for their hard work, which is a paraphrase of what was actually written. Uh, whether this actually sways any players back to Manfred's camp remains to be seen. I know that Adam Wainwright was the only player to come forward, and when they were asked about it, he basically said that the, the, their relationship's basically broken. And he said something along the lines of, you know, he hasn't really done anything for us. And so I don't think that the the gift of the Bose headphones and the letter really uh, did much for any players. Uh, that's at least my impression, because, you know, you have a 99-day lockout, and you're, and you're already an unliked commissioner. I can't imagine a Bose, pair of Bose headphones would really get someone on your side, you know, so... Uh, but nonetheless, it is a nice gesture. It's something, you know. Uh, number three here, we have the Astros debut their new City Connect uniforms. 
Uh, following suit with many of the other MLB teams, including the Nationals, already re- unveiling theirs this year. Uh, the Astros debuted their new alternate uniforms under the Nike City Connect banner. Uh, the uniforms retain the, the color s- scheme that uh, Astros fans are familiar with, but they also add the name Space City to the front of the jerseys. So this is the second City Connect jersey we've gotten this year. I believe, what, the eighth overall or something like that. Almost a third of the league has the some alternate jersey at this point. Kind of cool thing for the game, adding some you know nice new alternates. Um, the Astros one I think is nice. I think that it goes well with their uniforms. Doesn't look too much different from their regular uniforms. And uh, the Nike City Connect I think has been uh, a success among fans. I think that a lot of fans really like some of the designs. And me personally, I think the White Sox design has been was one of the better ones we saw. And I know a lot of people like the Boston one with the yellow and the, the blue. Uh, so you know a lot to like with the City Connect stuff, and that's kind of. Um, you know, keeps maybe uh, some some conversation around the game going. Maybe some people that aren't baseball fancy then go, well, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, maybe they get a little interested, even mildly. So, see, so yeah, that's the the three news pieces that I brought. There isn't really too much, at least that I found, to be kind of talking about. You know, it's only the first weekend of the season, so there's really, you know, not much really shaking things up at this point. So, uh, I know you got some things, though, to talk about and things that you noticed over the, the opening weekend, so... Some things that I noticed so far, uh, we've seen a lot of prospects, uh, top prospects, Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt, <clears throat> guys like that get called up to play. Um, they haven't really been playing all that great, but we have seen them up. We've seen a lot of young players, players like Juan, and like I said, Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez. Young players kind of taking over the league right now and taking over you know, headlines, which is good. To go along with you know, young players, Brian Hayes gets an extension from the Pirates. Jose Ramirez gets an extension from, uh, from Cleveland. We have seen some fireworks already with the Mets and Nationals after two hit-by-pitches to Lindor and Alonzo in the head. Buck Walter out of the dugout, you know, started, um, century started a bench-clearing, you know, scuffle, I guess you could say. Cubs and Brewers had a bench-clearer as well. Not really fights, but, you know, you know, scuffle, I guess you could say, on the field. So we already seen two bench-clearers. And the biggest note I've seen so far, really, is, uh, is the pitchers aren't ready. They aren't stretched out. You see a lot of guys going 50 pitches, 60 pitches, you know, three, four, five innings. Um, you don't see them going real deep yet. Yeah, I know every year they're not stretched out, but you see them usually go, you know, when they can go five, six innings, quality start, even seven. Hmm. Right now it's like, no, he's really going to go three, four, five maybe if he's lucky instead of being like, you know, five, six, seven. Um, so I've noticed that. <clears throat> and then the biggest thing we've noticed in the change of the game is the pitch comp, you know, which is what we wanted to go into a little bit today. And that's the idea that I believe – 12 to 16 teams are using the electronic pitch com where it is a wrist guard. It's a wrist guard that the catcher can signal what pitch, what location, things like that. So, you know, it's like electronic, almost like a, you know, a radio. He can hit this button and say fastball and then up and in. And then it gets transmitted to the pitcher in like a radio in his hat that'll say fastball up and in in like a robotic, not quite real robotic but some sort of robotic voice. I'll tell a pitcher. So you don't need signs anymore. You don't have the ability to steal signs. Right. Um, so that's the pitch com. Um, as well as position players are allowed to have it. I believe up to three. Hmm. I believe you're probably you know looking at most likely the shortstop and the center fielder, and then possibly maybe a first baseman or something will have the pitch com. Who can also have the pitch com? So they know what pitch is going. They know what pickoffs. They know what's going on. They can direct the infield, outfield. Um, so it takes away from the catchers having to throw signs out all the time. And that's something new that they tested with in spring training, and these teams are using it. I know one team, the Yankees, are using it. 
I believe the Reds were using it. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple, you know, not just some of the smaller franchises or, or, you know, the Rays or something like that where you go, okay, I can see them using it because they're always on top of things like that. These are some big franchises using it. So that, for it to be the topic, you know, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because it is big. It is, does change the game a bit and affect the outcome, you know, affect how the game is played a, a little bit. Um, my opinion of it, I'm not a huge fan of it just because we already had technology cause a problem a couple of years ago. And I, I just don't know. We already seen the Yankees, you know, Severino, I believe, left a thing in the dugout. Then the one wasn't working, so they had to replace it. Mm-hmm. So then it slows the game down. You're still not going to speed the game up by going and saying, oh, the catcher and pitcher be on the same page easier. Not really. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to throw a fastball. He's not going to throw a fastball. Now, you don't have to recycle all the signs. Maybe for the splits, you know, they don't know a sign. Cross-ups, maybe. I guess you could say it takes those out quite so much. Um, but I'm just not a huge, huge fan of it. I, I do think it, it has been pretty good. I'm just not really sold on it yet because I just think you put too much technology in and then all of a sudden, what? how do you get into it? Is there some sort of password? Is there some electronic thing? All of a sudden, someone's hacking it. Uh, you know, it gets rained on. Does it not work? The catcher takes a foul ball to the to the wrist or where, where the thing is on his, on his shin guard. Does it break? What happens if, you know, who knows what's going on? The pitcher could it just malfunctions out there and it's just static. Can you hear him when it gets loud in the stadium in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, and then what happened? Where is it exactly in the hat? Is it comfortable for all the pitchers? You know, things like that. And then what happens if, you know, does, does it make a bigger issue if he gets hit? Now, obviously, the pitcher getting hit in the head with a ball. Comebacker is already a big problem. Hmm. Now having some sort of electronic device in there, does that make it even worse? Could it, ex- right. could it explode? Could it splinter off? You know, things like that. So, you know, I'm sure they tested a lot of these things and they, they, they have answers to them, but I just, I haven't been completely sold on it. I just don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's definitely not the worst thing they're trying to do. I'm just, you know, I, th- I have so- I have questions for it so far. But right. I think it could be a good thing. I'm just, you know, it is, it just seems as you go more technology after having all the technology issues you had in 2017 and 18. And what, why even bother? And what does it do to your, you know, your so-called speed the game up? Hmm. I don't think it does anything to speed the game up, which is their main mission. Yeah. If the game gets played or not, it's more just, you know, they don't, like we don't need this. We don't three hours, two fifty nine, perfect. What that does for the game, I don't know. But with pitch com, I don't know if that speeds it up or not. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Right. At least not in the beginning here. It's not going to speed it up. Maybe when it gets going, maybe. You just got to think about when they sweat too. Pitcher sweating. What happens there? Mm. You know, if he's got you know whatever's going on, he gets the rosin on his hands and he touches it. Does that mess with it? The catcher, you know, it just seems like there's a lot of things in play to get that to not to work. And I'm sure they they still have the signs. If it doesn't work, they can still throw down, you know, two, three, four, you know, signs to, mm. through the, the catcher. But I don't know. I just seem like it's, it's, it kind of came on out of nowhere, mm. brought to the players in the league. I feel like, because usually you talk about the robo-omps, you see all this stuff that gets talked about for years. Mm. This kind of was like, here it is. So I just don't know if there's a lot of answers to it yet. And we don't, as fans, really don't know much about it yet. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic with it because I think it's fine. Um, I think that there's going to be growing pains. You're definitely going to see problems with it. You're going to see teams not really knowing how to utilize it in the best way. There's going to be technical issues because it's new. So you're going to have problems, like you said, with with Severino. He forgot in the dugout and the one wasn't working, and then it causes delays. And uh, I think there's definitely going to be growing pains. And you may even see that for this year, next year, or the year after. Uh, There's definitely going to be some problems. Uh, I do like the idea that it's not like a full implementation, like – 
it's a mandatory thing. Like teams, you know, some teams aren't using it yet, you know, so that's encouraging that there's some teams that are trying to get on it early and there's some teams that are like, well, hold on, you know, we'll, we'll get there kind of thing. We'll let you be the canary in the coal mine. Uh, I think it's good. I think that uh, it, it does hopefully help the sign stealing thing. That's the main goal of it. I don't know if it really speeds the game up. I don't really think it does because a sign's a sign, no matter how, it's, you know, whether the, you know, the pitcher's seeing it from the catcher or whether he's hearing it, it's still the same communication. What do you, yeah, like you said, like, what do you save a minute or two on the game? It doesn't, you know, uh, so hopefully it saves the sign stealing stuff, which would be good for the game. I think that that, if it proves effective in that way, then, you know, you definitely uh, had some success there. But, uh, like, again, I'm cautiously optimistic because it is fine. Uh, it's definitely, I prefer, if you're going to add technology to the game, I prefer it over the robo-umps, which I think yeah, is one yeah. of the worst things they could do. So, and color me old school for that because I know that there are some people that, are, that like that, but I, I can't stand the, the idea of a robo-ump. So, the sign-stealing stuff being, like, electronic is okay. Uh, I've seen it, you know... It, it's been working okay. There have been some issues. There's going to continue to be issues and that just is what it is. And I think that, uh, overall it's, it's, I think it's overall going to work out, but I am cautiously optimistic. You know, I, I do recognize that there's going to be issues and that's just, uh, with anything you implement anymore in baseball. And they seem to be implementing all kinds of new things. Uh, so hopefully this can be one of the good ones. But, you know, overall, I think I think it, be, it can be okay. And hopefully it gets to the point where you don't even think about it. You go, oh, yeah, that's right. They don't put the signs down anymore. They don't throw down the fingers. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see with that. You know, I don't know where they can really go from there. Like I said, hopefully the robo-umps don't come next because that's, <laughs> that's a whole other topic. I just don't even want to get into. So, I guess with that, uh, unless you have anything else, I guess we can get into the who's doing the best right now. Um, I don't know if you have anything else, but no, that's that's pretty much it. Like I said, I, I'm not too upset with it. I think it's it's something that could be good, and it's it's a good idea. I wish there would have been a little bit more more foreseen. You know, they talk about it a little bit more and more brought up and have more knowledge to fans before doing it. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like you know it's just it, you know it could be a good thing. I just I'm not sure about it right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not you know if this is the moves they're doing for baseball, like these are the changes, then I'm not upset with it. Right. Give it a shot, and we'll go from there. You know, it's a lot better than, like I said, the robo-umps or the changing of the ball or the bases and, and the mound and all this crazy crap, you know, they're trying to do. So these are the kind of changes they want to try making, and I'm okay for You know, just give it a shot, and then we'll go from there. Right. So we'll see what happens. It's definitely something to take note of. Yeah, it's... It could change the game forever. Right. Or it could just be, you know, like your spring training, uh, your block line you had in the 80s and 90s, they put in spring training and no one remembers they were there. Mm-hmm. Or this could be something, this is just how baseball's played now. Right. Yeah, you, you just never know. And uh, I think it could be good for the game. So as long as it doesn't impede too much on the game and every every other inning you see the guy go, oh, I can't hear, you know, let me get another one or whatever. And then all of a sudden, five, ten minutes go by and you're and you're not watching any action. So yeah. um, we'll see what happens with it. It's it's. I think it's a sign of things to come as far as m- making things a little bit more, in their eyes, modern. So uh, we'll definitely see. Uh, now for the wrap-up of the news, the who's doing the best right now, which segment we always do to wrap up all the uh, news we just talked about and just how where we stand with records and, and the best teams. Uh, so there's obviously only been one series this far, and, uh, you know, the only team that has the best record that you could say has the best record is the Tampa Bay Rays. They won. They're the only one to sweep their series. So that they're three and Oh, uh, there are other teams that are three and one that had a four game series. Uh, but obviously, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays remain undefeated. 
the only other team, obviously, then without a win are the Orioles. Uh, as of, you know, we just actually watched them win. So, uh, But after opening day weekend, sticking with everything else, uh, they were 0-3. Uh, the Reds, excuse me, the Rays, Mets, White Sox, and Guardians, uh, to go with that, all share the best run differential at plus 11, while some other teams are minus 11 as, you know, as a consequence. So not much really to dive into there. There's only been one series, and as we're recording this, some games are going on. Uh, like I said, we just saw the Orioles get their first win. So, you know, uh, you don't really – this. if you're already thinking your team's this good or this bad, it's a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. You know, if you're an Orioles fan, you see they're 1-3 and three already, and you're like, well, that's about right, you know. But, you know, a team that's like the Rays 3-0, it's encouraging, but you don't like to all of a sudden think, oh, we're the World Series winners. You know, it's, it's April, it's the first series, you know. Guys are cold, guys are hot, which is what we'll get into here with it, you know, with the who's hot and who's not section of the show. So, again, kind of like I said at the top, you know, the who's hot and who's not section is what we do is we break down. I give five players that are hot, five players that are cold. Frank goes into his players and some pitchers and, and generally some teams too uh, that are uh, hot and cold. So, for my first five players. Uh, typically, I also like to include the players of the week if I have them at the time of writing my notes. So the two players of the week are Alex Bregman and Nolan Arenado. Bregman I didn't have down here because I didn't have his stats, but I believe he batted in the four or 500 range for the week. But the five players I have are Stephen Kwan, batted 727 with a 909 slugging and a 1722 OPS over the last week. Uh, Mark Hanna, batted 700 with a 700 slugging and a 1469 OPS. Matt Olson batted 571 with a 929 slugging and 1576 OPS. Nolan Arenado batted 500 with a 1250 slugging and a 1788 OPS. Also leads the league in RBIs thus far. I think he has seven. Uh, and finally, Wander Franco batted 545 with a 636 slugging and 1136 OPS. Uh, so those are your um, those are your hot players for the week. Stephen Kwan obviously being the uh, more of the outlier guy, a little bit newer name. Uh, Marcano, Olsen, Arenado, and Wander Franco have found their way on this list, I believe, at some point in our in some of our years doing it. So those are your, those are at least the hot players that I brought for yeah. for this week. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, you know, some teams that I noticed so far that got off to a pretty good starts. You know, like you mentioned, the Rays and Royals, Astros, the Mets, the Padres. Those are some teams that came out the gates pretty hot here. Um, some cold teams. You know, I mentioned the Orioles, Angels, of course. You always know, start to poorly. Nationals, Brewers, and Dodgers. Especially the Brewers, Dodgers, those are some teams that I expect to be real good, and they're you know came out the gates you know relatively not good against teams that aren't really supposed to be as good. Mm. Um, so that's something to watch early on here. But you know, again, it's very very early. Uh, you know, one of the hot players you can you know I haven't listed here. Most of them you already mentioned, but one um, Seiya Suzuki mm-hmm. um, came over uh, this year from overseas, and sometimes they struggle right off to you know right off the rip here. But he came out and he's playing very well. I believe he's batting 500. Um, maybe just under 500, but he's got a home run. He's got some walks. He's playing good. Um, so that's a player to take note of, especially because it's a, it's a whole new environment, it's a whole new, you know, it's almost like a whole new world for him to come over and, and produce well is um, impressive. Right. Um, some pitchers that are doing good, you Darvish, had no hitter through, what, five innings? Yeah. Right. Pulled him out because, again, not stretched out. Sean Manaya, first start with the Padres, new team. What'd he do? Like, he had no hitter going through seven innings. Mm-hmm. Pulled him out. Uh, we have... Um, Herman Marquez pitched very well. Kyle Gibson and Adam Wainwright. Those are some pitchers that are doing really well. So, um, you know, overall, some of those names are, you know, a little surprising. 
Yeah, I mean, it, obviously it's very early on. It doesn't, you know, you don't really have a full week. You have one weekend. So a lot of these starters had one good start, and that's all you get out of them. So you don't really have, you know, much to go off of. And the hitters, you get you get three hits, you know, 10, 11 at-bats, so you're doing pretty good. Yeah, right, right. That's a, Yeah, most of these guys, I think the most I have here for at-bats was Olsen, and he had 14. Yeah. And then the cold players, I have two guys with 15 at-bats. But, you know, there's really not much to really chew on yet. Like you said, you have one good start, all of a sudden you're a hot pitcher. It's kind of... But you want to get off on a foot, you know, a good note. Yeah. You don't want to be looking up there and you're at zero, you're at 100, you're, you know, stuff like that. You want to rather get up there, look up there, at least you're in the mid-200s, 300, and then you go, okay, you know. Right. You can go over your next three or four and not be, you know, really, really bad. Mm. You start off, you're batting 150, and then you go over your next four, you're batting under 100. You're like, well, I got a way to go. Yeah. So you really get off of that on, on a good foot, um, especially, you know, if you're... You're playing in a stadium that had decent weather, and you're not supposed to get decent weather. Because then you got to go to Detroit, you got to go places like this. You get freezing weather, maybe that changes the way you know your ability to really you know produce. Yeah, yeah, it could definitely uh, start your season on a really nice foot and uh, make your stats look really good through even April if you if you last that long. It just it encourages you throughout the season and helps a team out if you're on a you know a better team um, and you see one of your star players already hitting that good. Hitting's contagious, so it's 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 always good. And same thing with pitching. Pitching can be contagious. You know, you have guys that, that come out there and throw a gem in their first start. It's like, all right, here we go. You know, so it's it, it changes the mood of a ball club. But then to move on to the cold players who can, you know, affect that in a negative way. Uh, the five players that I have, uh, first one I have is Cattell Marte. Bat a 133 with a 200 slugging and a 388 OPS. Uh, over the last week, he was 2 for 15. Will Myers had the same exact stats, 133, 200, and 388. As well, two for 15, so neither of them really did great in their extended uh, at-bats. Kike uh, Hernandez, uh, zero average, zero slugging, and a 133 OPS. He's 0 for 13, has yet to get a hit this year. I think even today, after playing, he still has no hits. Tommy Pham at number four, also zero average, zero slugging, and a 235 OPS. He's also 0 for 13. And number five, Max Muncy, 077 average, 077 slugging, and a 154 OPS. He is one for 13. So doing a little bit better than Kike Hernandez and Tommy Pham. But all these guys really have yet to find either their first hit or have yet to string some hits together. So having a little bit of a rough series to start. But uh, guys like Cattell Marte, Will Myers, Kike Hernandez, Tommy Pham, Max Muncy, all five of these guys uh, are definitely some of your better players in the game. So I don't see, you know... I don't see a zero or one thirty three average lasting very long for you know guys like this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, some other guys to note that are you know got off to a cold start so far. Bryce Harper, after his tour in spring training, I think he's batting under a hundred at this point right now. And another cold player, Eddie Rosario, especially after the way he came over to the Braves last year and then played in the playoffs, he's off to uh, a cold start as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some pitchers that have not been pitching well or did not have their a good start or even their first bullpen outing uh, Frankie Montas, Garrett Cole, Ian Anderson, Kyle Freeland, and Liam Hendricks. Those are some pitchers, um, some pretty big names right there that just came out the gate here pretty pretty slow for their first start or their first outing or two for like Liam Hendricks. Again, this is very early on, but still something to note that these guys are big names with some of the better stuff or better talent, and they already came out the gates pretty, pretty slow. You know, they almost feel like they got to the next two or three got to be good ones to make up for it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a wrong time of the year. Well, there's no good time of the year to do it, but uh, getting off on the right foot really is a, a big part of, of, of a team dynamic and, and your own personal stats and all that stuff. Um, so 
Yeah, you definitely don't like to go out there your first start or your first at bats and just lay up a goose egg. So, but again, there's some big names on there. Uh, not reflective, I'm sure, of their entire season. But you never really know. The last year was strange for players and teams. So yeah. you have another year like that where all of a sudden it, whatever you thought was going to happen flips on its head. It's it's baseball. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of these guys, you know, I give them two weeks maybe um, because spring training was a little shorter. So two weeks to get back into it, the weather does turn a little bit more, a little bit more warmer weather, more consistent weather. You know, some of these guys, you know, you remember Curtis Granderson, he was like never an April hitter. No. He always struggled for the, for the most part in April. And then, you know, May would turn, he would he'd become a little bit better hitter. So, so many guys, is they, they're kind of looking for. Get back on the track, get used to playing every day, get in the, the mode, and then they get going. Right. Yeah, there are guys like that that just struggle in April, and that's just sometimes how their careers go. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, May... Water, I mean, the weather gets a little warmer, and and all of a sudden they've you know the ball starts flying a little better and and all that stuff. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, season's very very young. First series or you know first series plus some games. So there is a lot of baseball to play. And if your team looked a little rough over the weekend, it, nothing really I would say to worry about quite yet. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the last little bit here, we got the injury section. Just some things to note. Uh, Brendan McKay was placed on the 60-day 60, 60 IL for the Rays. Um, he is rehabbing, but he did was switched over to the 60-day DL. Lucas Giolito will most likely be placed on the IL. Juan Makata placed on the IL. Lance Lynn placed on the IL for the White Sox. John Gray with blisters placed on the IL for the Rangers. Luke Jackson, Tommy John, he'll be done for the year for the Braves. Annabelle Sanchez placed on the IL. Blake Snell, Mike Clevenger, those two for the Padres placed on the IL as well. Well, Blake Snell actually was not placed yet. It was scratched from the start, and they say he most likely get placed in the IL, but not yet. Um, on the good side of things, we have Adley Rushman. They said he's progressing pretty well. He could, you know, we could see him doing some minor league games and whatnot, and be back, you know, be, make his debut at the Orioles here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Xander Bogarts, he had a hamstring issue on opening day or on Friday. They say they don't expect that to be any issue, and he actually played the next day anyway. Um, so there's no real concern there at this moment. Um, Andrew Schaefer for Detroit. Um, he was throwing and whatnot, hoping they have him back pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby Yates, they're expected to have him back sometime in the summer after coming back from Tommy or He's trying to come back from Tommy John. Chris Sale, not quite throwing yet, but he is progressing. Uh, he was placed in the 60-day IL. They're hoping to have him back maybe um, towards the end of May or so, uh, but he is progressing. Jack Flaherty was doing some running the other day. Um, and expect him to start start his throwing program again soon, and he'll be back for the Cardinals. We have Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor were both hit in the head, which we mentioned earlier in, in, in the episode here by the Nationals. They're both, um, as of now, good to go. They've been in games, so they're you know as good as they're going to get at this point health-wise. Uh, Cabrian Hayes left opening day with some sort of wrist fingering uh, issue. He's fine, expected to be good. Luis Castillo uh, through a bullpen session, so that's good. That's another big player we want back. And Tatis, as of now, his deadline stayed the same, his timetable. Um, so he's progressing on track um, to see him back sometime in June or July as one of the big names in baseball. Cool. Yeah, hopefully as the year goes on, that list gets smaller as far as injuries and more on the recovery side. You know, I always want that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you definitely want to have, you know, especially your big name guys. You want to, you know, you want to have them out there most of the time. Tatis, Luis Castillo, Brian Hayes, Alonzo, Lindor, Sale, Flaherty. I mean, these are some big name guys mm-hmm. that you want out there. That's going to make a name for your team, your franchise themselves, and the game of baseball. So, Absolutely. Um, 
but a lot of these things are more minor. That list is just as big for the, the good side of the injury side that I mentioned as the other side, so that's good. But other than that, um, you know, we do have our first weekend. We do have our first full week coming. Um, our fantasy baseball is going. Um, so, you know, we're going to be in the swing of things. I would say after this week, you know, the players and the feel of, of baseball being here will be kind of that average, that normal day-to-day. So we're still kind of shaking off the rust there and getting the feel of, of baseball. Yeah, so is the players. Definitely. But other than that, the last thing I have here is our trivia question for the week. And the question is, which two teams are tied for the most consecutive wins to start a regular season? Um, the streak is a 13-game win streak to start the season. The 1982 Braves and the 1987 Brewers both started the season 13-0. Um, and the Brewers, 1987 Brewers, they actually end up going on to miss the playoffs after a 13-0 start. And I believe they started that season 20-3 and and still went on to miss the playoffs that year. Jesus. But... um. The two teams that are tied for the most consecutive wins to start an MLB season at a 13-game win streak, the 1982 Braves and the 1987 Brewers. Wow, yeah. I I, I was surprised at the years. Not so much at the teams, because the Braves, you would have thought, done it somewhere in the 90s. This is when they had their... So, 82 is a little weird. And I know the Brewers were good around that time, but they weren't the first one that came to mind. You know, they they, they did have some good teams in that the mid to late 80s run they had, but uh, just a little... A little surprising, you know, start 13-0 and and then you don't make the playoffs. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> pretty impressive slide backwards, you know, just as much as he started on the right track. So, yeah, you, you know, you can really – it just goes to show it doesn't really matter. You can have a really good start and it, it could be for not. Uh, or you could have a really bad start and find yourself in the playoffs. Look at the Nationals. They were awful through May in 2019 and all of a sudden they won the World Series. So, yeah. you know um, – Sometimes not really indicative of uh, of things to come, but it definitely can be. You know, I think the Orioles famously lost like the first twenty games or something in the, <laughs> you know, back in the day. So, you know that it doesn't come from nowhere, but the, it doesn't necessarily mean that your team is going to be this or that. Yeah. You know, things happen. It's a hundred sixty two game season. It's a marathon. Yeah, and exactly. You know, you just you uh, can't win the World Series in April, but you can lose it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's for sure. So. That's for sure. But other than that, again, you know, as we've been saying, you know, there was only a weekend of baseball. We're coming off our predictions, so there wasn't really much else that we were missing to talk about. I know you mentioned the extensions. Uh, there's still some big free agents out there that could definitely turn the tide for some teams. So, you know, we could also look out for some signings, you know, some April-May signings or, or something of that nature. But as of right now, you know, we just saw the weekend. Uh, happy to have baseball back and just happy to have games on and watching your favorite team and and all that fun stuff that comes with it and now starts the uh you know the marathon to october so we'll you know i'm sure it'll be quite the ride and we'll have you know this same type of show every week where we'll come with the updates and just kind of giving you you know what happened week by week in baseball uh so with that you know i I don't really have much else there's not really much else in, in my opinion to go into uh, you know, unless you really didn't watch any baseball, which I would say go and at least check the scores and stats. Yeah. Um, you know. No, that's pretty much it. You know, we have one uh, one undefeated team. It's a race. Yeah. So they got the only shot at 162 and all, right? So yeah. otherwise, um, you know, we're, we've got the first weekend. Like I said, we're going to get through this first week. After this first week, again, the weather starts turning a little bit. But the players are more back in their, their flow. The pitchers get a start or two, and then you're going to start seeing more of that average day, day-in, day-out baseball that we're used to seeing. Early in the year, it's just always kind of a, a shuffle to get get to you know what looks like a normal game. Right. So we'll, we're about through this week, um, and then we'll be more 
little bit more normal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Uh, so I guess with that, if you want, uh, I guess we could just wrap this up. We have really much yeah. else to go into. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. You can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at RealMichaelPree. You can follow me on Instagram at MichaelPree. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FDubs10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep, take care.